the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. See, an elder can't be cliquish. He may have close friends, and I've read books where it says elders and pastors cannot have close friends. I think that's ridiculous. Elders can have close friends, I can have close friends. It means that I don't have to spend all my time with them. Nothing wrong with being close to someone as long as I'm not cliquish, as long as I don't exclude other people, as long as my home is open to people. Why is that important? Because an elder's home needs to be open so that people can observe his lifestyle. An elder's home needs to be open so that people can come in and see how he speaks to his children, see how he deals with his wife, and see how he handles his private life. A pastor's life, in many ways, to be an open life. And so he's not to be cliquish. He's not to just isolate himself with his closest of friends. There's a balance there. We could show hospitality by opening our homes to a traveling Bible teacher. That's a great ministry. We have people coming through all the time in our church, and we have traveling missionaries, and we have people who have served the Lord, and they're looking for places to stay, and we can do that. He might not want to stay with you. I don't know. But at least we ought to say we're willing to open our homes and to give you anything that you need in our home. experience when visiting a church or moving to a new church. We have moved to a new church a couple of times and twice moved back to a church we had attended previously. And guess what? It is our experience that if you want to become integrated into a new church, you have to be proactive. It is my experience that some churches don't do well with hospitality. Sometimes the reason is because a church is big enough that it can be hard to tell who is visiting and who isn't. Some churches have multiple services, and that can make it harder to identify the visitors from the regular attenders. However, there should be no excuses. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul told Timothy that one of the qualifications for church leaders is hospitality. The example would start at the top, and today Pastor Steve is going to walk us through this biblical standard for church leaders. Here now is our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff. There's a great need for you and for me to reach out to new folks in the church. They may not cry in your presence, but they leave and they either they cry or they feel like it. And elders need to set the example. We need to reach out to new folks. But there's only so many folks that the seven elders can reach out to. Everybody's got to take a part in that. See, an elder can't be cliquish. He may have close friends, and I've read books where it says elders and pastors cannot have close friends. I think that's ridiculous. Elders can have close friends. I can have close friends. It means that I don't have to spend all my time with them. Nothing wrong with being close to someone as long as I'm not cliquish, as long as I don't exclude other people, as long as my home is open to people. Why is that important? Because an elder's home needs to be open so that people can observe his lifestyle. 
An elder's home needs to be open so that people can come in and see how he speaks to his children, see how he deals with his wife, and see how he handles his private life. A pastor's life, in many ways, to be an open life. And so he's not to be cliquish. He's not to just isolate himself with his closest of friends. There's a balance there. We could show hospitality by opening our homes to a traveling Bible teacher. That's a great ministry. We have people coming through all the time in our church, and we have traveling missionaries, and we have people who have served the Lord, and they're looking for places to stay, and we can do that. He might not want to stay with you. I don't know. But at least we ought to say we're willing to open our homes and to give you anything that you need in our home. We have the missions conference coming up. What a great need that is to open our homes to them and for meals. Hospitality is not necessarily spending the night at your home. It could mean that. Many times it will mean that, but it could mean just a meal. Now, I'm not saying that as just a plug for the missions conference. I'm just saying that because that's what the Word of God teaches. So we need to be willing, and not only willing, but do it to open our homes to missionaries. It could be a friend of a friend. We live in an area in the country where people are always coming down in the winter, and some in the summer too. I remember a few years ago, the Hertzbergs had some friends down here from up north, the Chicago area. Michelle and I invited them over after dinner, and we had a great time with them, and they just couldn't get over it. And they said, well, why are you doing this? I mean, you don't know us. And I said, well, this is the way the Hertzbergs would treat you if they were just here. And so we're just doing it for them. See, and I'm not saying that to pat ourselves on the back. I'm just saying that's what ought to be going on as a norm. People come down, they know somebody, but those people aren't here. So we just reach out to them, and we just make them feel very comfortable on their vacation. It could be a poor person in need. It could be some of the folks we're ministering to on the streets. could be that. It could be a college student. It could be a foreign exchange student. Could be somebody you want to just have into your home and hopefully you can share the gospel with this person. Could be a number of things. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not saying that you take in everybody indiscriminately. I'm not saying if somebody has a long police record, you just take them in and you don't think about that. You don't want to knowingly put your family and your house in jeopardy. But be careful. Be careful because there are always risks involved in taking in strangers. You're never free of risks. And it depends on your attitude. It depends on if you can trust the Lord. There will be people you'll take in where you just have to trust the Lord for your safety. There will be people you'll take in who you wonder, well, are they going to steal from us? You know what? They might. They might steal from you. You can trust the Lord on that. And whatever they take, believe me, the Lord will reward you. I just heard about a situation recently where someone took some people in, not in our church, but in a different church, and yeah, they ripped them off. But listen, those people are in for a great blessing. God's going to take care of them for doing what's right. So we're not saying don't use your head, but we are saying risks are involved. That's the point of strangers. It was no different in Paul's day. Just because someone said, I'm a traveling Christian, doesn't mean they weren't a ripoff artist. There were people who did that kind of stuff then, and they do it now. I want you to know the Bible gives us a lot of examples of men and women who opened their homes to total strangers, and they took risks. The broad principle, will you turn to Leviticus chapter 19? This is the broad Old Testament principle, which is followed up in the New Testament, about loving strangers. In Leviticus 19, way back in the law, God said this, verse 33, When a stranger resides with you in your lands, you shall not do him wrong. A foreigner comes in amongst you, the community of Jewish people, don't do him wrong. Why? The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him 
as yourself. Why? For you were aliens in the lands of Egypt. I'm the Lord your God. What God is saying is, you Jewish people understand what it is to be a foreigner in a strange land. You understand what it is. You were in Egypt and you were slaves and you were foreigners there. So be sensitive to the foreigner who comes into your midst. Is there a parallel to the church? There certainly is. Do you know that we were strangers? Do you know that we were strangers to the family of God and God took us in? God opened up his family for us, especially, now it also includes Jewish believers as well, but especially there is a special word to Gentile believers. Ephesians chapter 2 speaks of exactly this same thing. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Therefore remember that formerly you, now that most of you are Gentile believers, so think about this, this is right for you. Therefore remember that formerly you the Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Imagine that you were without God in the world. You were strangers. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's what God has done for you. Can you do any less for anyone else? Can I do any less? My people were strangers in Egypt. You were strangers to the covenants of God. But God has made both of us part of his family. Can we do anything less? Well, you look in Genesis chapter 18. I think this is great. This is the story of when Sarah and Abraham took a risk and entertained three men. I don't know if you know this, but this is a great, great story. They took a risk. They didn't know who these men were. Now we read it, and we know who they are. We'll know in a moment who they are. But when it happened to Abraham and Sarah, they didn't know who they were. But in the ancient world, hospitality was a sacred duty and a sacred responsibility. Now the Lord appeared to him, that is Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, He ran, now watch this, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. He doesn't know who these three guys are. He doesn't know that. And he said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by, but please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves after that you may go on since you have visited your servants. And they said, so do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent of Sarah and said, quickly prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servants and he hurried to prepare it and he took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them and he was standing by them under the tree as they ate do you get the picture that Abraham can't do enough for these three men do you get the picture that Abraham is running to meet them he's washed their feet he's fed them with veal with milk with fresh baked bread under the shade of a tree and he's just hurrying back and forth he can't do enough for these men who are these three men two were angels and one was the Lord himself in human form This is what's known as a theophany, an appearance of God before he came to the earth as the Lord Jesus. Now will you turn to Hebrews chapter 13. And Hebrews 13 explains and clarifies Genesis 18. Let love of the brethren continue. Verse 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. The writer is not saying that we should entertain people because you might strike it, I hate to use the word lucky, but you might strike it lucky and entertain some angels too. 
He's not saying that. He's saying love strangers. Some in opening their homes have actually had angels come there. He's not saying you're necessarily going to get an angel. He's just saying that has happened. And Abraham, I want you to know, and Sarah took a risk. There were other people in the Bible who took risks. Cornelius entertained Peter. He didn't know Peter. He opened his home to him. He opened his home to Peter's companions. I mean, maybe we could say, well, the Lord revealed to Cornelius that Peter was coming, but Peter brought men with him. Jewish men who Cornelius probably never had a Jew in his home before. Here they were. He entertained them. How about when Paul was converted in Acts chapter 9? It's good to see this. In Acts chapter 9, Paul was converted. We don't often think about it. What would you do if you were the brethren and the day before Paul is murdering your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and now you hear that he's a Christian? Would you open your home to him? Would you think it was a trick? Most of us would say, no way. This guy's just planning to get me. It's just a trick. In Acts chapter 9, verse 19, we read this. And he took food and he was strengthened. That is Paul. And now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. Where did he stay? He stayed with the disciples. Could they trust him? They probably had real hesitancy also. But they took a risk. They let this man in. How about Paul, who traveled all over the Roman Empire? Was he shown hospitality? He comes to a city by the name of Philippi, and there a woman by the name of Lydia opens her heart to the Lord. And then she invites him and his companions to her home, and she feeds them and takes care of him. Who is it? She just met him. She doesn't know who he is. She hasn't even been grounded in Christian doctrine to know all the ramifications of this. But she opens her home. Then in Acts chapter 16 also, Paul is put in jail. And he's beaten there. And the Philippian jailer and he then have a conversation. And you know the story. And Paul tells him how to be saved. And you know what this man does, the Philippian jailer? He washes his wounds. He takes Paul to his house. He opens his house to him. He feeds him. He takes care of him. Look, just a few minutes before, Paul is in jail. Now this man has him to his own home. Here's a prisoner that the jailer took out and he invites him to his home. Just a complete stranger. You see, he's not read the New Testament New Testament hasn't been written yet. He doesn't know the great apostle Paul. I mean, none of us here would ever turn Paul away knowing about him, but would we have opened our home to him in the first century before he became famous? That's what they did. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 10. Paul is speaking about widows. He says, if there's a godly widow in your congregation who cannot take care of herself and she meets certain requirements, then the church has to take care of her. Put her on the widow's list. But one of the qualifications for whether she is godly or not or whether she has been godly in her life is that she has shown hospitality to strangers. Chapter 5, verse 10. Having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she's washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and she has devoted herself to every good work. But mixed in with all these wonderful virtues is the fact that she has shown hospitality to strangers. If you struggle over the whole issue of opening up your home to strangers, then you need to be reminded of Matthew 25. We all need to turn there. So will you do that, please? This will sober everyone up. Matthew chapter 25. I want you to know we all have questions about this. We all wonder how far to go in opening our homes. We don't want to be foolish about it. But on the other hand, we don't want to be disobedient about it. Matthew 25. Now, the context is Jesus is speaking about the tribulation. A lot of people take this out of context. And in the tribulation, how you treat the Jewish people will be reflective of your faith. 
because the world is going to turn against the Jew. Greatest age of anti-Semitism that will ever have taken place. And only true, genuine believers are going to be sensitive and loving to the Jewish people. And Jesus is saying this in verse 42. There is judgment upon the Gentile nations. There is judgment upon those who did not treat the Jew well, and there is great blessing for those who did treat them well. And he says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. Now he's saying this to the Gentile nations who mistreated the Jew. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and we didn't take care of you? And then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. How we treat others, especially believers, is reflective of how we would treat the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if they receive you, they'll receive me. So we've got to really be very, very careful about our attitudes towards strangers. A man who isn't willing to open his home to strangers isn't above reproach in his love. It's as simple as that. He isn't above reproach. In 3 John, not 1st, not the Gospel of John, but 3 John, you need to turn there, we meet two men, one who is hospitable and one who isn't. One who is qualified to be an elder, one who is not. They probably were both elders. We wouldn't be dogmatic about that, but they probably were both elders, and one is not qualified, and one is. Let's meet them. Third John. In verse 1 he says, The elder, meaning himself, John, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. He's writing this letter to a man by the name of Gaius. Now, Gaius is above reproach. How do we know that? He says in verse 3, For I was very glad when the brethren came and bore witness to your truth. That is, how you were walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. John is saying that when the brethren passed through, and he probably means Ephesus, where John spent most of his time. When traveling Christians passed through Ephesus, they would speak of this wonderful Christian man by the name of Gaius. And wonderful, he was a great man. And John says, I have no greater joy than to hear, Gaius, that you're walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than that. See, the man is above reproach. He is obedient. Now, why did the traveling Christians speak about this man? Well, not only was he obedient as a lifestyle, but he was specifically obedient in the area of hospitality. Verses 5 and 6 tell us that. Beloved, you are acting, he's writing to Gaius, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, especially when they are strangers. And they bear witness to your love before the church, and you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. He's speaking about traveling Christians. He says in verse 7, For they went out for the sake of the name, of Christ's name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. In other words, they went out to serve the Lord, and they came to you, and you took them in. They had nothing, because they wouldn't accept money from the pagans, but you took care of them. And he says, notice in verse 6, he says to send them on their way. In other words, Gaius did not simply give them a place to stay and say, well, if you can find some room, you're welcome here. But no, he sent them on their way. That is, he provided them with food and with money so they could continue on their journey. That's right. That's what he did. And this great expression at the end of verse 6, he sent them on their way in a manner worthy of God. You know what that means? It means Gaius treated these people as he would treat God if he visited him. 
Now that to me is the bottom line. If God came to your home, how would you treat him? Would you say, well, if you want, there's peanut butter over there. Go get it if you want it. Listen, I've had a hard day. If you want a drink of water, you know where the refrigerator is. No, listen, we'd get out the best dishes. We'd make the bed 14 times, make sure that everything was clean and spotless. We'd ask, what would you like to eat? Anything, you name it, you've got it. We couldn't do enough for him. That's the way Gaius was. He treated them as if God visited him. That is loving strangers. If Christ came to your home, how would you treat him? I'd probably faint, and then I'd treat him wonderfully. We are to treat people just like that. You say, well, they don't deserve it. That's right. They don't deserve it, but neither do we. But we are to treat those people just like that. Now, there's another man who is not qualified to be an elder, and that is a man by the name of Diotrephes. Verse 9, I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who watched this, he loves to be first among them. Probably an elder in the church, or probably a dominant elder who wanted, not the plurality of elder system, but wanted to reign as the president of the corporation, who wanted to be first among them, does not accept what we say. Could you imagine the nerve? John, writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, an apostle, writes to this church in Diotrephes, doesn't even care what he has to say. He's so consumed with himself being in charge, he will not submit to the authority of John, which is to submit to the authority of God himself, the Word of God. For this reason, John says in verse 10, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does, unjustly accusing us with wicked words and not satisfied with this. I mean, not only does he say things bad against us, but watch this, not satisfied with this, neither does he himself receive the brethren. He won't receive strangers. He doesn't want anybody intruding into his little domain. He doesn't want any outside Christians coming in and messing up his system of rulership. And if that's not bad enough, he forbids those who desire to do it and puts them out of the church. You know what the implication is? It's more than implication. He put Gaius out of the church because Gaius received the brethren and this man couldn't handle other brethren. He didn't want anybody messing up his rule. And so he put them out of the church. He disciplined the godly man like Gaius. He refused to welcome strangers and he forbid others from doing it. He put Gaius out of the church. Two men who were probably elders in that church. One was qualified, the one was not. Folks, an elder must open his home up to strangers. That's the bottom line. Open your home up to strangers. That's what we've said tonight. If not, then the people won't either. I think there's a great need in our church to be more open to visitors, more open to strangers, not just within our little groups. And maybe we as elders have not set the example for you as we should. Maybe we haven't said it to the degree that we should, or maybe you're just not watching. I don't police the other elders, and I don't know what they're doing. I know that we open our home up, Michelle and I, but I want you to know, be aware of what your elders are doing. Watch them. Hold them accountable. Hold me accountable to open my home up to strangers, because we want our church to be given over to hospitality, and that's the only way we'll do it. We've got to set the pace. So let's put into practice what we've learned tonight. Let's bow for prayer. If you're a stranger to the Lord Jesus, then I want you to know he invites you to himself. He invites you to trust him as Savior. It's always possible that you're here tonight and you've never received Christ, but you're here, you're maybe visiting, maybe you are curious, maybe you've gone to church many years, but you've never actually come into the family of God. You've never been born again. It's very simple. Come to Christ, trusting him as the one who's paid for all of your sins. 
Otherwise, you're an alien. You're a stranger. But the wonderful truth is that he'll take you in. All you have to do is come to him. But I think this is a message really for believers. Are you open to hospitality? If your home is too special to you and your possessions are too special, then you're putting too much of an emphasis on things. You have to understand that we're just stewards of God's things. My home is not mine. It's the Lord's. My possessions are not mine. They're the Lord's. If someone rips me off because I'm obedient to the Lord, then I'll trust him. I hope you will too. What an interesting program today. Pastor Steve certainly gave us some things to think about. How we treat others, especially believers, is reflective of how we would treat the Lord Jesus Christ. I also like the question that Pastor Steve asked, if God came to your home, how would you treat him? Well, I think first of all, I would fall down and be unable to do much of anything. But that isn't the point, is it? We would certainly go overboard with our hospitality. We couldn't do enough for him. And that's the way Gaius was. He treated visitors as if God had visited him. That is loving strangers. I also think of the verse that says some have entertained angels without realizing it. Like I said, we have a lot to think about today. And if you would like to hear this or any other verse-by-verse program again, let me encourage you to sign up for the Verse-by-Verse podcast. You can do that at versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. And if you are able, please join us for the next Verse-by-Verse broadcast. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.